This week on the Tech Night Out Live will feature tech journalist Dan Berg and cutting edge commentator Daniel Aaron Dilger, who works with Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have tech columnist Dan Berg joining us, and we're going to do a little bit of year end kind of stuff here. Talk about what's happened, what is happening, and what might happen over 2014. Okay, so let us go on because this is going to be fascinating, folks. Now, there's a story this week that suggests that SoftBank, Japanese company that owns Sprint, is in talks with the owners of T-Mobile. Now, I'm dizzy here because we remember that AT&T tried to buy T-Mobile, what, a year or two back, Dan? And that didn't work because the regulatory authorities said no. So is this going to be any better? I think it's definitely in a position to be a little bit better, especially because, I mean, the two big players are AT&T and Verizon, and Sprint and T-Mobile are kind of the, the smaller people trying to catch up. So I think a merger of those two would outcome in a company that's better aligned to tackle AT&T, AT&T and Verizon. So yeah, I think it has a higher chance of actually happening. And I think it actually, it, it might. The only thing that I'm really concerned about is that the outcome of the company, the, what these kind of morph into, what it becomes, whether it like holds the name Sprint, excuse me, or uh, whatever, like really goes along the lines of what T-Mobile's been doing because T-Mobile's been doing some awesome stuff or whether it becomes just the traditional like AT&T and Verizon and start just continue just messing with their customers and just not treating them fairly, which is how I think they kind of do now. Well, the other issue here is that of technology. So with Sprint is CDMA and mm-hmm. T-Mobile is GSM. Now, do I presume here it's just a matter of putting extra translation equipment on the cell towers, or is this going to be a mess for a few years? It's definitely going to be a mess for a few years. It's a lot more complicated than just putting all that translators or whatever on the the towers. But at the same time, everything is moving to LTE. This merger is really going to look, it's going to be looking towards the future rather than what we have right now, because as we have right now, all the kind of networks are not really working together. But in the future, it's going to be more streamlined. The, the next system that they build, the eight LTE and what, whatever comes after like the, those faster speeds is going to be based on what the companies know now versus kind of how they were built before is with the different networks is not as in tuned as how they are not as good as they could be. If they all go to LTE, mm-hmm. those phones would be compatible regardless or what? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that that's that would be the goal and that would make it easier for everybody around. At the same time, it, it would make it kind of difficult because as it stands right now with the different networks, that allows different smartphone manufacturers to make certain deals with 
the individual carriers and the carriers like those deals and the manufacturers do too. But at the end, if you have one phone that works in any network, that's better for the consumer. And I think that at, at the end of the day, what what is best for the consumer is going to win out. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Do you think it's a reality? Yeah, I think it's definitely a reality. I think it's, I mean, the merger might happen. We might not see things, see many changes for a while. They might still operate very similar to how they are now. But I think that moving forward and as new kind of broadcast technologies evolve, it's definitely going to see uh, Sprint and T-Mobile, if, if this merger goes through, becoming stronger and able to properly compete with AT&T and Verizon. And T-Mobile is in the good direction right now, at least in terms of the public perception of the company and everything that John Ledger has been doing with the company, I think is highly positive and makes people really like the company. And I really, really hope that that continues uh, if any sort of merger or anything goes through. Well, this is an interesting thing here because T-Mobile supposedly revitalized the way that money is being handled by separating the phone service from the purchase of a mobile device and everybody else is trying to imitate them. So we have to see what happens. But the big question, as you say, will the regulatory authorities approve it? I guess there's more of a chance, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. I think there's more of a chance just because they're both smaller companies merging because if if AT&T had bought T-Mobile, that would just make one big, huge, giant beast because then AT&T would be bigger than Verizon. It would be, that would make it the biggest. Whereas this merger right here, where it would be Sprint and T-Mobile, isn't going to outcome with there being one company that is the big company. And so I, I think it has a much higher chance of actually getting approved than they necessarily did when AT&T tried to acquire T-Mobile. Meantime, let's look at T-Mobile's different schemes, like, for example, paying off the early termination fees from other carriers if you switch to them. How do you make money from that? I mean, it's all a matter of math and how these carriers are each doing the math of figuring out how to run is you got to look at the cost of acquisition of a new mobile subscriber. And because you sign two-year contracts and because it's really easy to just upgrade and get a new phone, the actual cost of acquiring a new customer is really, really high. And for, for a lot of these companies, that might be a few hundred dollars to the actual cost in terms of advertising and trying to convince people to come over to you. And what T-Mobile is basically doing is they did the math and they see that the cost of acquiring a new customer, that's going to be, it's going to cost less to pay off somebody's early termination fee than it is to really get a new customer. Because once you have somebody in your network, most likely they're going to keep renewing it. They're going to keep renewing it. It's very unlikely that somebody's going to switch these days. So it's all a math game. And if, T-Mobile is able to work it right so that, um, I mean, they don't really have to spend as much money on advertising as Verizon and AT&T, mostly because they have a CEO that's doing wild stuff and just getting press on his own. So they've got that momentum going and then putting their sort of advertising marketing budget towards paying off people's uh, early termination fees, I think is genius. It's really smart because... For a lot of people, that's what's holding people up from switching over. Well, let me ask you a question here. When is this going to happen? They haven't officially announced this yet. 
I don't know. It, it's hard to say. And with the, the looming possible acquisition by Sprint, it, it's really hard to say. But I think that if they do roll it out, it would not surprise me. Maybe they'll announce it at CES or have some other exciting stuff there. Because I, I know that they, they're scheduled to make some big announcements there. But yeah, I think it's coming soon. And I think it's a really good idea. Well, you know what? Let's really consider this real carefully, how mm-hmm. it works out. Let's see what happens, whether T-Mobile will continue to go it alone or whether these rumors of talks are true, that they may become Sprint T-Mobile, and who knows what they'll be called. I kind of would hope that would be T-Mobile because they seem to have the sex appeal for the brand right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I when I first joined uh, a carrier, I was on Singular, which got bought by AT&T. So now I'm on AT&T, but I, I missed having a uh, singular just because like when you have it and like that that's what you that's your carrier that's what you have and i think that a lot of people that have t-mobile really like being on t-mobile because of how the company has positioned itself in recent uh months uh this past year and yeah i definitely would want them because nobody really sprint is not as good as t-mobile in terms of uh like the public's perception of the company Yeah, I agree with that. I've had Sprint in the past, and I hated them. That's a company you love to hate, because they Uh really had awful customer service. Now, I realize that that's a long ago and far away. That's probably in the early 2000s, but I just couldn't stand them. I remember calling tech support and just wanting to yell at them. We never yell at Dan Berg. We're catching up with 2013 and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a 
powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Out Life, we have Dan Berg catching up, really trying to play catch up, folks, and also talk about the next year. Now, obviously, we think here as we get to the end of December when you hear the show, and maybe you'll be hearing it after the new year, we have the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, which is the showpiece for the tech industry. You see, there used to be, of course, the Macworld Expo until Apple pulled out. There is still a Macworld or a Macworld iWorld Expo, but it's not quite the same thing. All right, let us continue and look at Consumer Electronics Show. What do you think is going to be big this year? 4K TV, wearables, what? I think 4K is going to be big. Um, I think we're going to start seeing more stuff that's going to be curved. We've seen a few curved smartphones now, and... I mean, I think that they're going to be trying to bring that to televisions as well. But 
I think things like 4K and the curved TVs are more just a sign that these industries don't really know what comes next or what to do. Because if you're looking at a high definition screen like now, right now, like a, if you have a 1080p display, like the difference between 1080 and 4K is minor. Like you can tell a difference, and if you look closely, but if you're sitting back, like 10, 15 feet away, like it's a really small upgrade versus how uh, the upgrade from the older TVs, like five, 10 years ago, up until what we have now is like a huge jump. But now it's only tiny, tiny incremental changes. But it's going to be pushed and they're going to say it's the next big thing to try to sell more TVs, but it'll be interesting. I think that the big thing this year is going to be wearable tech because I think wearable tech is the next form that technology is going to take because we have laptops, we have computers, we have everything that kind of is stationary. They're, they're becoming more form factor, like with tablets and smartphones are more portable, but I think wearable tech is the next place is ripe for innovation and not necessarily watches. I, I think anything you can wear in any in its many forms is going to be big this year. Let's talk about the watch thing, because everybody is saying Apple has to come out with an iWatch. Now, obviously, an iWatch will not be on display at the Consumer Electronics Show, but you will see other companies act in response to what Apple might do. Just as, for example, they were introducing, you had companies who never had smart TVs before, like Lenovo, introduce it because of the fact that they thought Apple would come out with a TV set. It had to be. There was no other logical reason. Yeah, it's so interesting how other companies react and make new products based on what they think Apple is going to do. There's no way to, for them to substantiate any of these rumors or any of the thoughts, but they'll create entirely new products based on what they think. And because they don't actually know what Apple's doing or they're only doing it because they think Apple's going to do it, not because they think their customers want it. And so the products just are never really that good. Versus Apple, they look at what their users want or what they think the user wants, and they build products based on that, which is definitely a better way to do it. Well, the thing about watches, particularly smartwatches, I've seen no evidence that lots of people want to buy them. They're out there, but who's buying those things? Yeah, but you could say that same thing about tablets before the iPad came out. Uh, like they had some tablet type computers on there or even notebooks that turned into tablets. And judging by the way people bought those, you, you would say the exact same thing. And that's what people did say when Apple released the iPad. And it, it just needed to be done right. And I think that the watch and other wearables like that, they just need to be done right. And then I think we'll see a market for them. And justifiably, I don't think anybody's buying them now because they're all terrible now. And so uh, people don't want terrible products. They want good products. And I think once we actually get a good product, we're going to see that there is actually a market there. No, I, I get your point here. The fact that until there's a credible solution for these new products, they don't go anywhere. Obviously, the iPad was a credible solution for tablets. The iPod was a credible solution for digital music players, that kind of thing. Exactly. And it's not going to look anything like what we have now like it's not going to look like the galaxy gear or any other of the smartwatches. it's not going to look like the pebble uh, it's going to have a different form factor and after apple does whatever they do then we're going to see everybody else changing to be more like apple at least that's my prediction if, if we can judge by what's happened in the past with smartphones and tablets the same thing is going to happen 
for watches. But at the same time, we have a bunch of people that think and feel this way. And I mean, even uh, companies, industries that are manufacturers are holding out to see what Apple is going to do. And it puts a lot of pressure on Apple. So we're judging by the past to be like, oh, well, this is what Apple always does. They come on and they make a new product and then it's going to change everything. And I really hope they can do it because it's not necessarily a given, but my prediction, my gut wants to tell me that that's what's going to happen. And maybe that's just because I want a cool smartwatch and there is none right now. I don't wear one because there isn't a good one. So I have to hope that Apple is doing it. Okay, so Dan Berg, if you were making the ideal smartwatch that you would possibly want to buy, assuming it's affordable, what would you put in it that isn't there now? I don't think that it's a factor of there are things left out. Uh, I mean, the features that you'd want to do is be able to glance and check email, check notifications, uh, interact with your sort of media, like make a quick note by like pressing a button and speaking and like having it transcribed. I think that the main thing that I want that doesn't exist now is a good way to interact with the content. Apple uh, with the um, iPhone changed everything because they put everything on a touchscreen and only included one button. And one button was how you interacted with all of your stuff. And right now, it, like that one button and having the huge touchscreen doesn't translate well to watches just because the touchscreen area space on a watch face is so small. And so it's going to have to be buttons or dials or some new way or maybe even an old way that's renewed to the to the medium and the content as a way to interact with that content i think that's going to be the big revolutionary change it's not going to be necessarily user interface but it's going to be the industrial design that needs some sort of workaround and the fact that uh johnny ive is heading up apple's industrial design gives me hope for that they're going to come out with something but it's really got to be a way that i can quickly press a button or press two buttons and immediately be able to like write a note or record a to-do item. And that watch is then going to know, like if I make a note, whether that's a note or if it's a reminder or what it is and be able to get it in the right place and have it interact with all my media too. A key thing to consider about a watch is whether it works by itself. Because for example, the Pebble or the Samsung Galaxy Gear, they have to link as an accessory to another gadget, a smartphone, a tablet, whatever. So there's our issue. If Apple were to come out with something that could work by itself, not that it wouldn't do enhanced things with maybe an iPhone attached, but if it could do a bunch of things all by itself that you didn't need to carry a second device, even a small phone, that would be rather intriguing. Let's consider that and the possibilities. Dan Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. 
And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Who says things can't go down before they go up? The freeze-dry guy, that's who. The freeze-dry guy has just learned of a 2014 manufacturer's price increase on Mountain House freeze-dried foods. So what is he doing about Mountain House food prices going up? The freeze-dry guy is bringing down prices, 20% down for the rest of 2013. Delicious freeze-dried foods like beef stroganoff, green beans, and lasagna with meat sauce are 20% off through December 31st. Freeze-dried peas, diced chicken, and more are 20% off now through December 31st. Go to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com, or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Hurry before Mountain House's 2014 prices. Load up now on tasty freeze-dried foods with a guaranteed shelf life of 25 years or more. Who says ending your year on a down note isn't a good thing? Get Mountain House food down 20% only at freezedryguy.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. Utopiasilver.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Dan Berg joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. We are exploring 
what might be coming in 2014, a wearable device. A wearable device. That's interesting, isn't it? And whether Apple will do an iWatch. Could Apple just say, no, this doesn't make sense, we're not going to do it? I think, I mean, it's a possibility. If Apple can't find the right way to do something like this, then I think that they have no problem just setting a project on hold or setting it aside and not releasing something. I think that's what they've been doing with the Apple TV, because I think that in terms of the television set, the the long rumored Apple television, that Apple has had a vision and a product like the industrial design. I think pretty much everything is done and they have a vision for what the future will be. And the thing that's been holding them back from really kind of releasing that and working on it has been the broadcasters and the individual channels. So Apple has no problem just not releasing that product because they can't get it right. What a lot of other companies would do would be like, okay, well, we can't make this certain deal. So we'll just change the product and then release half of our vision and then hopefully work towards getting where we want to be. But Apple has no problem just not releasing a product that they don't think is going to provide the best experience that they want to provide their user. And I think the same thing is going to happen with a watch. And the watch is complicated because it's so small. And it's so small, but you want it to do so many things. So I see no reason why Apple would completely, or why they wouldn't just hold off if they didn't think they had the best product. What about an Apple-connected TV? Yeah, I think that's coming. I I think in terms of the Apple connected TV, they have a vision for how they're going to want people to interact with the television. And it's going to involve separating channels from like the bundle that they're doing. I think the best way to look at what Apple wants to do with the television is to look at the music industry. And what they did with iTunes in the music industry, because previously albums were bundled and you bought an album and you bought the one song that you wanted, which was most likely the single, the hit. And then you got 11 uh, songs bundled with that that hopefully you'd like. And right now, cable is very much like that. You you can't just buy a single channel. Like if I wanted to watch Comedy Central, I can't just go buy Comedy Central. I have to buy the entire subscription to all the other ones. And it's very much like an album. And I don't think people want to do that anymore. They want just individual channels or individual shows. And just like Apple was able to separate it in the music industry, I think that's the same thing they're trying to do with television. Now, it's a lot easier for them to do with the music industry because you had the disruptive service like Napster that was making people download individual songs anyway. And you have that kind of with illegal downloading right now, but it's not quite as severe to the cable networks as it was to the music industries. So that's why Apple is not as fast to strike a deal with the broadcasters. But I definitely think that separating them, uh, both channels and shows, is going to be the future. And I think that once Apple is able to make the proper deals with the broadcasters, we're going to see a big revolution in terms of what happens on your big TV in your living room. Well, that's the issue here, too. Does Apple want to have a subscription service? Is that what's holding everything up? And if that's the case, why does Apple need to make a TV? I don't know if they're necessarily going to make a TV. I mean, the the set-top box is, I think, the smart way to go, at least for now. 
I mean, with subscription services, that that's Apple's been experimenting with that a little bit in terms of apps and magazine subscriptions. And I think that I, I think that it's broadcasters that are dragging their feet, not Apple or anything Apple is really set up or doing. Except Apple, I'm sure, is just basically saying that they want 30% across the board, which broadcasters are definitely not happy with just like they weren't happy with uh the straight across the board in terms of the ebooks and they weren't the music industry that was the big thing is getting them to agree to the 30 percent. and broadcasters i'm sure are putting up a, a big fight over that well the broadcasters want to control everything so does apple <laughs> so we'll see we'll see who wins out hopefully it's the consumer that's why i want to win out well in the end We'll have to see what Apple comes up with. There's also talk they might just try to do something as a front end for your cable or satellite provider. They're allegedly making a deal with the folks over at Time Warner Cable, for example. Yeah, and I think that that is the smart way to do it. Um, the problem is that people still have subscriptions to cable. I mean, mostly, I, from what I've, I haven't had cable in a very, very long time, but most of the people that I know that still have a cable subscription is it's just the best way to do sports. And there's no good alternative if you want live sports than to get a subscription. And I, I would love to see people find a way that people can start canceling their cable subscriptions. Because I think once people finally start canceling cable subscriptions, then the cable providers will start being or start realizing, oh, shoot, we have to change. And then we're going to see some actual evolution in the space. But as it is right now, people aren't canceling their cable subscriptions. And I don't think that change is going to be necessarily eminent because of that. Well, right now, I don't think the growth is near as much as it used to be. Yeah, that's very true. So, you know, it's quite possible that they may have to think about different marketing plans. Already, you know, we're hearing every year the price gets higher and higher. It's to be very frustrating. All right, but if we're going to look at developments in TV, though, and we'll go back to the Consumer Electronics Show, and obviously the jury's out as to whether Apple makes their own TV set. But wouldn't it be 4K regardless? 4K or Ultra HD is where both the horizontal and the vertical <coughs> pixels are doubled, making a total of four times as many pixels. So it's kind of like the regular display and the retina display. So is 4K the thing or is it still a toy for the rich and the whatever? It's still a toy. And I think it's going to be a, a still remain a toy for the next year or two. Um, I mean, I remember when Blu-ray first came out, it was so, so, so expensive. And I think that looking over a kind of how that has rolled out or how that became kind of popular is the best way to see how the 4k technology is going to do it because looking at a dvd versus a blu-ray you can definitely see a quality difference but dvd quality is still really good and people still liked it and so people weren't willing there was a few people that were willing to spend uh the hundreds of dollars to get a blu-ray player instead of a dvd player but it just wasn't at the forefront of most people's mind or the mainstream consumer's mind because dvd was still great and the way that blu-ray re really became big is being part of a gaming console because people were going and buying that gaming console anyway uh the playstation 2 was it um 
Or is it the three? I'm, I free, it was one of the gaming consoles, and though everybody got that, and then suddenly everybody had Blu-ray in their living room, and the price came down as the consoles became popular, and then slowly and surely, this is kind of the the thing that's become the norm. And you can still buy DVDs, and they're, they're still good, but the price has to come down for 4K, and uh, it has to be in kind of a mainstream device. Because right now, the only real computer that people are really looking at with 4k or like the big news one at least is the mac pro that apple just released and that's 4k and i think that looking at the pro devices like that are uh, a look at what is going to be the future of consumer well obviously apple is heavily invested in 4k for a very simple reason because they realize that producers will be adding more and more content with it that's why final cut pro 10 was modified for 4K. That's why, according to an Apple support document, the latest generation of MacBook Pros with Retina Display, the 2013 models, they support 4K. How about them apples, right? We have Dan Berg, independent tech columnist, joining us, looking at 2013 and 2014. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night High Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. 
an e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig a long time ago. LeSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LeSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at LeSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. Have you ever wondered why farmers can keep their livestock lean and healthy just by feeding them minerals in a nutrient-dense diet? Before market, they cut off their minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains to fatten them up. So if weight control is this easy, why does the medical system prescribe invasive surgical gastric bypass for humans? The truth be told, according to research, you can avoid over 900 different diseases just by getting 90 essential nutrients daily. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com and order your Healthy Start Pack and get your 90 for life. Or dial 855-301-TEAM. I said essential, not optional, and every day. Easy. 90 for life on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com or call 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com at sonsoflibertyteam.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Dan Berg joins us this week, and we're exploring the possibilities of 4K. Do you think also Apple's message there with the MacBook Pro and Retina display and the new Mac Pro is saying, we know 4K is in, it's common? Definitely. Apple is definitely not one to invest or put technologies in their devices unless they think that it's the future. And they're not always right. I mean, you look at Firewire, that didn't last very long. But they're definitely looking into the future and making a bet as a vision. And I mean, aside from apple going 4k i mean there's predictions that netflix is going to be going 4k a lot of other services are just going to start offering 4k the place where that gets really tricky is looking at your internet providers and your mobile service because broadcasting a 4k quality film over broadband takes up a lot more data than doing it in regular hd and there's definitely uh, some caps. And if you start streaming 4K movies all the time, you're going to be hitting those caps, whereas you might not even be aware that your carrier uh, has them or your mobile, your internet provider has them in place unless you're kind of going off this 4K. So it's a very, it's a precarious kind of situation because the technology is definitely going to higher resolution. That's just the natural way for it to go. but a bunch of other industries need to catch up in order to make that happen. 
Well, the other thing to consider is that 4K works best with a very large screen TV. If you're 8, 10 feet away and you're looking at a 55-inch TV, it's going to be near impossible to see much of any difference. Exactly. It's true, but people want the higher resolution. You tell them this has the highest resolution you can get, or this is the future, and people want that. Um, But yeah, it's not that much of a difference at all. And that's why I don't think people are going to be running out and grabbing the 4K televisions immediately because it's you'd like when you walk into a store, if you see one of the current high definition televisions right next to a 4K, it's you're gonna it's not gonna be that big, but you're not gonna you're gonna look at the price tag, and the price tag is gonna tell you to get the HD rather than the 4K. Eventually, once the price gets down lower, it might be okay, we'll finally get the 4K. But until then, it's not much of a difference to really justify the price. Well, the thing is, for many people, there may not be a difference. Yeah. Well, once you get to a certain point, it, it doesn't matter how many more pixels you got. Like Retina Display. Exactly. They could double the Retina Display, and like Apple could double it in the next phone, and it wouldn't make a difference. That's all right. That's what Samsung did. They increased from 300-some-odd pixels in the Galaxy S3 to over 400 on the Galaxy S4. And you look at it, and okay, I don't see a difference. It's, it's a selling point. It's like a, a talking point. If you have a salesperson that's able to say, this has the high res- highest resolution screen available on the market today, that is uh, what consumers like to hear. They, they want to be able to have that and say that, and they think it's the best. When in reality, in terms of user experience, it's really not that much different. It, it's not at all. So there's an evolution of products that manufacturers do in order to please consumers. And then there's other kind of features that they have that are marketing. And the higher resolution displays like that are majority marketing with small, very small user benefit. Well, someday it'd be like 3D on every set. Yeah. 3D didn't really uh, pick up the way that manufacturers hoped, though. Three what? 3D. I'm yeah, joking. exactly. <laughs> right. Well, you had to listen for a second. Well, we have to see what's going to happen. I think the ultimate might be 4K with a 3D that gives you a wide viewing range without the need for glasses. So there's no extra effort to watch the show. Yeah. And they have some TVs now that do the, the 3D without glasses. I, I just don't think that it's that exciting i mean you have a a small select people that are like oh this is so cool it's 3d and i think that like some of that joy comes from watching tv movies and majority of that joy comes from telling their friends that they have a 3d tv being able to boast like hey i got the 3d tv and that gives them the same hit of dopamine that actually uh sitting down and watching it does so We'll we'll see. And being able to say, oh, yeah, this is 4K, 3D, and any viewing angle is like, it's, it's something you can boast. But I don't know if people, if it's that much more exciting than just watching regular TV right now. Because at the end of the day, it's the content that rules. Like, and that's why you watch a show, because it, it's amazing. Like, Breaking Bad was the last show that I watched. It just blew me away. And I watched Breaking Bad not because of any gimmicks. Like, if it was in 3D, it wouldn't have been, I didn't. Wouldn't have watched it because it was 3D. I would have watched it because it was a great show. And I think that that's really where it's at. But manufacturers, television manufacturers, don't have any control over what content is showing on the TV. The only thing they have control over is the specs and the numbers. So they try to promote that, market it as being 
the end all be all. And really it's, it's a very small part of people's enjoyment of the actual product. You know, it's interesting here, but I'd like to consider this other possibility here. Has it ever been checked to see how many people with smart TVs use the smart stuff? How many people run those apps? How many people even care? I'd be interested in that. I know um, uh, I tried to get my father uh, Roku this past uh, a few months ago for his birthday. And the television that he had at the time didn't have HDMI in. And I got him the HDMI one and he had it. He could hook it up another way, but he didn't really use it as much as his cable subscription. And then that television died and he went out and bought a new one and he bought one with a smart TV. And he was really excited because now he could do Netflix and he could do all this other stuff with it. And as far as I know, they've never even looked at it and set it up yet. And they've had it for a couple of months now. And yeah, I'd, I'd be wonder how many other people are the exact same because you buy it because you think you're going to be using that. But as long as you have a cable subscription still, and especially if you have DVR, you're recording stuff, you've got enough content to last you. Are you really going to be setting up a lot of that other stuff? <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, but I think as the younger generation gets older, like with me, I do everything on my Roku and it's all uh, Netflix and I got HBO Go and I got I use Aereo for live television. And it's all about the apps like that. And I mean, as I get older, I might get a smart TV if they get to be similar to a Roku kind of user experience. And I don't think I'd get a cable subscription. And so I just subsist on the app. So I, I mean... It might be a generational thing. It might be a user experience thing. But if Apple's able to redo everything, they would get everybody on board uh, no matter what, because it would just be the better user experience. Whereas right now, it's more subjective. All right. Will there be a Apple Smart T in our future? And I watch so many things check out. Back to Consumer Electronics Show. What else do you think is going to be interesting? I think, did I already talk about wearables? You did. All right. Curve TV, that stuff. Let's do that. Yeah. So one of the big trends I think we're going to see is going to be curved devices. You got curved smartphones, you got curved television, and it's going to be very much like uh, 3D and like 4K and that it's going to be a gimmick to try to sell stuff. And it, it's trying to guess what consumers want. I mean, in smartphones, it's promising because what it's kind of saying in terms of the smartphone is it just ends up making the smartphone like stronger and more durable. And it's cool because with, with the curved like devices, you can kind of bend them straight and then they'll kind of flip back to the curve. And that's just showing that, okay, these smartphones are getting stronger and more durable. With the television, I think that we're going to see curved televisions and it's gonna, they're going to say something about viewing angles and stuff like that. But I don't think it's just like 4K. I don't think it's going to make a, enough of a difference to really be supposedly the next big thing. Well, I read a review of some of these OLED TVs or maybe two of them on the market from, I guess, LG and Samsung for prices like $10,000 and more. And the curved aspect they felt makes it less comfortable to watch. It's one of those features that sounds really cool, but in the real world, it's not so cool. Yeah. I, I, peep the, like, like I said before, the, the main thing that television manufacturers are struggling with is they are selling a product 
that has very little to do with a person's enjoyment of the product. If you buy a television, you're buying it so that you can watch content that's made by other people. You're you're getting it so you can watch movie that's made by uh, big movie producers and television that's the cable and stuff. You're they have very little control over whether somebody enjoys the the TV or not. It's all the subtle details. It's all like the the size, the inches. Dan Berg on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Dan Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So let's just take a look at that for a moment here. This curved TV and about the viewing angles and all that. But if you're looking at it straight on, huh? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's not really the best user experience. And and at the end of the day, that's what's king. And you can have uh, marketing material that makes something sound fantastic. But if people get into their living rooms, or they're, at this case, seeing it on the showroom because it's so expensive, um, they're seeing it and they're like, oh, well, this isn't that exciting. Then it's, it's never going to catch on. Ah, sigh, big sigh, larger sigh. We'll have to see how this works because a lot of times you see things introduced at a consumer electronics show and they may or may not 
ever appear in a new product. I think the Consumer Electronics Show is a fantastic way for them to gauge the response of consumers and the press because you kind of you put out a conceptual item where you're like this is a cool new technology this is something that we can do now and then the CES show really tells you whether you should do it because if you release let's say a curved television and every single person is saying this is terrible and the press is saying this is terrible then obviously you're going to be discouraged from continuing to make a product like that. But if you do put that out and everybody is talking about how amazing it is and how great it is and wow, this is really the future, they've put it out, then it gives you encouragement to go in that direction. So a lot of times we'll see products at CES that are terrible, but the reason why is because it's a technology that they can do. So they're doing it and then they're going to gauge how people's response is, which is smart to do because then they're not just wasting a wasting money building stuff in a vacuum and then investing a ton more money to only to realize something's a flop the big issue here is i look straight on a tv set and the reviews of the oled tv set suggested curve actually was uncomfortable so why do we need it we don't uh (laughs) i think that's the the biggest answer and i mean manufacturers are testing it out to see if consumers for some reason find it appealing and I think judging by the the early reaction that we're seeing, they don't and they don't want it. But I think that at CES uh, especially, it's very much a, a showcase of what we can do with technology now. And a curved big display like that is impressive. Like you see it and you're impressed. And then you sit down to watch something on it, you're not as impressed. But the fact that we can do it is impressive. And I think that's more what it's it's going to be about. And I think that a lot of technology and a lot of features that are released are exciting because we can do it. And things like the the Samsung Galaxy S4 with the eye tracking and the scrolling when you look down and stuff like that, that's cool that we can do it. And then people tried and it didn't work very well. It wasn't a good experience. And so nobody actually uses it. It's still cool that we can do it, I guess. And I think that the curved televisions are very much like that. Same with uh, smartphones that are going to be curved. I mean, it's cool that we can have curved smartphones now and you tip them, like you set it down on a table and you kind of tip it and it goes over to the side and you can see the display and stuff, but it's just not that much better than anything else. It's not an exciting experience. And depending on how it's curved, it might even be less comfortable in your front pocket. Yeah, it's not something that I think is necessarily going to be the future. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Well... Let's move on to some other developments. Anything else before we move on from CES that you expect to see? We're going to see just a little bit of everything. I think that this year's CES is just going to be all about the incremental updates and upgrades. So we're going to see the stuff that was popular in previous years, but everything's going to be slightly better. I don't think we're going to see any big new um, product unveiled, any new category that's really going to blow us away. I just think it's going to be a a year of incremental upgrades. And I think that's mostly what CES has really become these days, is people testing out new technologies that don't necessarily uh, have a place in the consumer world, and people just showing off their incremental updates and kind of marketing it as something brand new. But in reality, the, the hype dies down, and a week later after CES ends, it's just not that exciting. Isn't that the way things always are at uh, consumer electronic shows? 
Nah, for the most part. It wasn't, I mean, these days, back in the day when technology was brand new, I mean, you're talking about like 10, 15 years ago, it was, that was the exciting stuff. And now it's just kind of incremental. And I, it kind of feels like everybody's waiting around for something big and exciting to happen because it's all about the incremental stuff these days. Don't you know it? Don't you know it? Anyway, let's move on to some other topics here. Now, one of the things Apple confounded the industry with was the 64-bit A7 chip for the iPhone 5S first, now the iPad Air, which is a tongue twister, and the iPad mini with retina display. Yeah, the 64-bit, it that this having it 64-bit is very much it's easy to get that confused with things like the 4K television or the curved television because it just it seems like an incremental change. But I think that 64-bit is a lot more forward thinking than a lot of these other technologies because I think the future of how technology is going to exist is going to be very much your content exists uh either in the cloud or like at home, you're going to have a box that has all of your stuff. And then all of your different devices are going to be able to unlock and use that content. And making uh, the smartphone 64-bit makes it a lot more like your computer and your laptop. And in the future, it's going to be the direction of it, it being much more comparable to these other devices. Because right now, like there's stuff that you can do on your computer that you can't do on your phone. But if your phone had all of those capabilities and you were out and about, you could plug into what plug your phone into whatever and use that as a computer. I, I guess it I don't if that's completely clear. I think the biggest um example of this that might not be the best example right now because it's um not really the best device, but the Asus phone pad, which is the tablet that the smartphone plugs into the back and everything exists on that smartphone and then you plug it in and it's a more powerful tablet. I think that's how things are going to be. Um, I think it was a product, uh, the phone pad is a product uh, ahead of its time, but also terrible. So that's why nobody used it. But I think that our smartphones going to 64-bit are going to be very capable and they will be our tablet and they will be our laptop and you're just gonna have everything all in one place so we'll have one device and not all these separate devices yeah we'll have shells we'll have displays so one device and many displays does it mean that we maybe are reaching a point here where there's room for some new gadget we've never heard of yet i definitely think so because uh, if we have one device that is basically your quote-unquote computer or whatever you want to call it, and then you have a bunch of other devices that are displays for that computer. We need that first device in order to have all those displays be powered. So yeah, it's it's an abstract concept right now. So I, it's not going to look like a, a big box or whatever. Like it, It's hard to really understand what something is going to be. But I think that we're going to have a device that's the functionality of being your digital life. And then you're going to have a bunch of other things that you carry with you or you leave at home or whatever that are going to be displays for that. Maybe it'll be even like a watch where you tap it to 
a display somewhere in public, like you're walking around, you tap your watch to that, and that becomes your display because it's able to communicate with wherever your digital life box is back home. There's a lot of different ways that it can play out. It's going to be hard to get, um, it's going to be hard for something like this to start and to really grow because you need such a large one vision and two, just be able to grow immediately and be everywhere all in one places. And that, that's going to be the hardest part to it. But I think, uh, a future technology is going to have, it's going to be very, it's going to look very different than what we have now. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, me too. It's your show of Dan's. A little bit later, we'll have Daniel Aaron Dilger. He's from Roughly Drafted Magazine and also from Apple Insider with lots of fascinating insights to offer for 2013 and 2014. We have Dan Berg joining us for one more segment on the Tech Night How Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. 
These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux, and most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health, and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Out Live, Dan Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. You play a lot with any of these Windows Surface tablets? I have not spent a lot of time with them, but I have spent a little, and I actually enjoy Microsoft Surface. If you if you like Windows and you like Windows 8 especially, um, I think they're pretty good. I mean, they're they're the the tablet to beat these days. I mean, my personal, what I use is going to be a MacBook Air at home, and I have an iPad mini. But if I was a Windows user, I would probably have uh, a Surface, and that would be both my computer and my tablet, I, I would probably guess. Although I'd probably get a more substantial keyboard than anything of those that connect, even the the clicky keyboard, I'm, I'm not as big a fan of. But I mean, it might do well. I don't know. I just think here that Microsoft probably wanted to do something really important there, but they couldn't get out of the mindset that we got to have Windows everywhere. Yes. Yes, that's definitely the case. I mean, when you look at what Apple did, separated the OS X from iOS, and they're two completely separate operating systems, whereas Microsoft just kind of stuck with one. And it very much felt because you're switching back and forth between the old interface and the new interface, and they just couldn't give up the old one. But at the same time, I think that they viewed Windows 8 as a transition operating system. And as a transition operating system, it was okay to have both, and it was okay to feel a little fragmented. I think that what they're learning right now, they're learning from how people are using their devices right now. And the next the next iteration of Windows will be better suited for... It won't feel as disjointed, I, I guess I would say. But... As a transition device, it, I mean, ignoring Windows RT, uh, it, it does what they want it to, and people that like Windows are able to use it. It's serving its purpose, and I like it better than uh, big Android tablets, I would say. Well, I don't know. Nobody's buying them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I guess so. it doesn't really matter if nobody's buying the product. I'm in the minority, but at the same time, maybe people feel that way and they're not buying it because I'm not buying one. So. Could be. It goes to the same thing. And maybe they're looking at the wrong emphasis here. They emphasize 
these things as work computers, but how would you accept those as things that you would push during the holiday season? Yeah, I mean, I think that Apple positions itself as being a fun, playful device. It lets you manage your life like it's your personal computer, whereas Microsoft very much wants to be like, yeah, but on an iPad, you can't do work. And that's one, false. And two, that's not the exciting thing where it's like, yes, I can do work on this. Because I think when the iPad first came out, a lot of what people were saying was, okay, well, this doesn't run Microsoft Office, so I don't want it. And Microsoft Office listened to that and they're like, oh, okay, people are saying that they want Microsoft Office. So that's how we're going to advertise and market this. When I think that what people say and what people actually want are two very different things. And I think the people don't want the work computer, although having it, I mean, Microsoft having that work on there is a big plus, but that I don't think that that should be the big advertising and the big push point. And that, that very much is what it is. But if we look at the situation with regard to Apple in the Android universe and Android smartphones and tablets are getting more and more popular, where then does Apple stand? Is this a real threat or as long as Apple keeps it at the premium priced realm, it doesn't matter? Yeah, I would say as long as they keep it premium, it doesn't matter. Because even now, you know, like if you're getting an iPad, you're getting what is basically the unspoken rule is like, this is the best. I mean, that you're getting the iPad. That's the premium product versus Android. It's on a bunch of different devices. I mean, you get a nice Android tablet, like uh, the Note tablet or something like that. Like those are the the nicer big ones, I guess. It's you're still just getting a an Android tablet versus like the iPad. I mean, I think that even people that are bigger fans of Android and really don't like Apple, one of the reasons that, these people get so upset is because that is the reaction and they don't believe it's true, which is why they're upset. But I mean, the end of the day, the iPad is the premium device. And that's as long as Apple is able to maintain the the company as a, a premium device manufacturer, which I definitely do not see changing at any point soon. They're, they're going to be, they're going to be able to maintain that kind of air of being above the competition. What about with smartphones? Does Apple need to produce one with a larger screen or maybe a phablet? No, I mean, no, not at all. Well, I think we saw with uh, the iPhone 5S because people were kind of talking about how Apple needed to do different sizes and all this kind of stuff. And uh, they didn't. And they're still doing A-OK. And consumers want the good user experience more than they want necessarily a slightly larger screen. And they might want the larger screen, but they want the user experience more. And I think that's what's really important. And it's just like going back to the 4K televisions, that having a bigger screen is just not that important. What's really important is the user experience, the iOS, and that's why people stick with Apple. Now, there were criticisms that iOS 7 wasn't quite up to Apple's standards. What say you? I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I like iOS 7. I haven't had many issues. Um, I think the redesign worked out great. I think it looks a lot better. I mean, I've a couple of times gone back and grabbed a friend's old phone and they didn't upgrade to iOS 7 because it was um, a 4. And so they wanted to, to hold on to the phone that actually worked well. And it just feels and looks so dated. So it's easy to be like, okay, well, Apple didn't do that good of a job. But then you you try to go backwards and you realize what a shock it is. And 
Apple really, I, I think they did all right with iOS 7. And I, I think that as they refine it over the next few years, it's going to get even better. iOS 7. You have any problems with it at all? It restarts from time to time. And that's kind of annoying. It's like, I'll be in something, try to switch to another app and all of a sudden it's restarting. Other than that, no real big issues. I've read about a few of them, but haven't experienced them myself. So do you feel lucky? I guess I feel lucky, but I always wonder how many people are actually having issues or how many people are, are kind of like me. Because I think that the people that have issues are a very vocal minority, especially in terms of Apple criticism. It's a very vocal minority that's really loud about that. And I think majority of people, especially people that I just talked to that aren't necessarily in the tech industry, they just have these devices. They just, it, it's not even something that they really think about. Like their phone restarted and they're like, oh, and then they just go about their lives and they're, they're not getting online writing the tirades. And I think that it's, this is a vocal minority. So I guess maybe I'm lucky because I haven't had that many issues, but I, I don't think a lot of people are having a lot of issues. Well, I don't know. I think part of it is it makes good press. Exactly. It does make very good press. People want to click it. People want to read it. Right. You have to get hit bait. This is like, for example, what Apple needs to do to solve the problem. Danberg, where do we find more of your stuff? You can find me. I just launched a website called Novice No Longer, where I help people uh, build applications with no programming experience. And you can find me on Twitter. It is Danberg with two N's. So D-A-N-N-B-E-R-G. Danberg, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Who says things can't go down before they go up? The freeze-dry guy, that's who. The freeze-dry guy has just learned of a 2014 manufacturer's price increase on Mountain House freeze-dried foods. So what is he doing about Mountain House food prices going up? The freeze-dry guy is bringing down prices, 20% down for the rest of 2013. Delicious freeze-dried foods like beef stroganoff, green beans, and lasagna with meat sauce are 20% off through December 31st. Freeze-dried peas, diced chicken, and more are 20% off now through December 31st. Go to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com, or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Hurry before Mountain House's 2014 prices. Load up now on tasty freeze-dried foods with a guaranteed shelf life of 25 years or more. 
Who says ending your year on a down note isn't a good thing? Get Mountain House food down 20% only at freezedryguy.com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. And we're going to look at all the excitement of 2013 in the tech world and what might be coming in 2014, particularly from Apple. Now, the story run over at Apple Insider where they're reporting that if you try to make a do-it-yourself Mac Pro, it costs $4,000 more than the top-end configuration. And I was looking, and this is an interesting thing to comment about, I tried to make a Mac Pro equivalent workstation from HP and Dell, and you can't do it. You know, you get to a point where the price of what you configure is more expensive than Apple's new Mac Pro. And then you run out of stuff because they don't have the parts. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that Apple has going for it is, one is that it has contracts to get access to parts. It, it can get preferable access from um, Intel and other companies to get some of their latest parts. They also have bulk deals for you know components like RAM and things like that. So it's getting to the point that, I mean, we've always thought of Apple as being more expensive because it's kind of like this niche player and they're adding on the, the value of their integration basically but in a lot of ways apple has a lot of cost advantages and we've seen that before in a lot of other areas and of course in the iphone i mean they're, they're making so many that they can deliver things at competitive costs to where 
even you know competing competing smartphones that are kind of in the similar range as the iPhone and, and particularly tablets have not been price competitive until just recently. And, and the only reason that, that competitors have been able to compete on tablet pricing is because they're using either inferior materials or they're just like not taking any profit. They're just trying to sell something and they're, they're willing to, to make no money on it or in some case lose money. So it's kind of an interesting, it's interesting to see like on the high end with the Mac Pro that they're coming in with really competitive pricing. Well, you know, this isn't the first time. I mean, if you look at the history of the Mac Pro, it has almost invariably been cheaper than equivalent mainstream workstations from HP and Dell. And now Apple's got a hold of parts that nobody has. I know in one example, somebody tried to set up the parts from do-it-yourself makers, and they couldn't come up with a logic board that would handle more than 32 gigabytes of RAM. And the Mac Pro can handle up to 64, so they had a compromise. It wouldn't handle the 12-core Xeon processor. So they said, well, it supports the 8, and the pins are the same, so we'll assume it supports the 12. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, that's that's one side. And the other side is the, the thing that Apple is really known for, you know, their integration. They're allowing Pro users to have power that would usually be associated with a huge box with a bunch of cards in it in a very small enclosure where everything is kind of built in. And, you know, the downside to that is that you can't in the future swap out your chips, your GPUs, your video cards. But Apple looks at the market and look what people want. And I've worked with a lot of clients over, you know, my history. And that's one of the things that people think that they want is expandability and being able to switch things out. But in practice, people rarely do. I mean, the majority, there's some people that that is an important thing for them, but there's a lot of people that like the idea of expansion, but they never use it. And even that's, that's the case with me. I think we've talked about this before. Every, every time I bought a notebook in, you know, in the last decade, I thought I needed a CD-ROM with a burner, you know, the fanciest one that was sold and I never used it. And now, I mean, what Apple's doing is they're, they're shipping and have been for a while macbooks and particularly the airs with no optical drive and now now there's no mac with an optical drive now the other thing here i was noticing is how apple has made such a huge commitment to 4k or ultra hd so for example you could run what three 4k displays at the same time in the mac pro but the latest versions of the macbook pro with retina display also support hd Ultra HD 4K. Yeah. It's interesting to see where that's going to go. I mean, I've right now a display is real expensive. You know, a 4K display is around $4,000. So it's, it's not mass market yet, certainly. So where's that going to go? Is it going to be an extension of television? Because I think, I think television is dying. I think instead of turning on the TV and looking for things to watch, people very much more like the, the idea of saying, I want to watch this. You go to Netflix, or you go to Hulu, or you go to some video sharing site, or you go to something like iTunes and rent a movie, or watch something from your library. You decide what you want to watch, and then you watch it, as opposed to the television model, which has always been, you know, when I was a kid, this is a long time ago, you just turned on the TV, and you had three channels, and you get to watch whatever one of those channels was offering. And there was no concept of renting a movie. You can even rent a VHS. That wasn't that long ago. It was kind of a long time ago. But <laughs> I mean, that, that started happening in the 80s. That was new. And before that, you just watched what was available. And it's similar to radio. 
the big shift with the iPod was that people could have their own music and you could either have a huge library or you could have just what you want to listen to and um, carry it around with you. You didn't have to turn on the radio and look for a station that was playing, you know, mostly what you like with the least amount of ads. So I think Apple has always kind of been on the edge of knowing what people want in terms of content. And there's been a lot of pushback. People said, oh, no, people want subscription music. And then people want, you know, broadcast television and cable and everything is really important. And any sort of Apple TV would have to have some kind of cable TV integration. Well, that's not working out. And I think people don't like cable. And the cable industry is really powerful, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out because 4K is like a new platform. It's, it's sort of similar to, remember when HGTV came out? And there's still sort of limited amount of content that's really high quality HD. There were some like basic upgrades, you know, television, broadcast television is now to the point where a lot of it is in HD, but it's kind of low quality HD. It's really compressed. And cable TV is sort of HD, and you can get HD downloads and things. But with 4K, it's such a big leap. I mean, it's kind of getting interesting to see how that's how that plays out. Is it going to be oriented around you know digital download type content or streaming or what's going to what's going to be the thing? Is it going to be oriented to movies or people going to want to watch television in, in super high resolution? So we need to see how that works out. I think there's going to be a comp. Uh, a component of digital interactivity like video games but it's going to be new it's not going to be just the web it's not going to be just content video it's going to evolve well i think part of the issue here is that one of the problems we have here is that with this particular issue and i'm talking about ultra hd it takes a pretty large screen to see the difference doesn't it? Well, I've only ever seen it on a on a large TV. Um, they say with uh, ten was it ten eighty p, you have to have a fifty inch or you know in that sort of range to be able to start seeing the benefits of it. And there's probably a similar kind of number for Ultra HD, but it, it does look tremendously sharp. It looks like a, it's it looks different. It doesn't look like it's kind of like the difference between cinematic and video you can just immediately tell that it's like something different and there's also a cross there's kind of like a cultural thing where the first movie that i saw in ultra ultra what do they call it high frame rate it makes cinematic movies on a big screen look like video looks like television because it's too sharp or it's not sharp but it's it has like a crispness to it that looks that we associate with video. We associate that with watching TV and there's something that's lost in, in when you're watching a sort of a fantasy film. I, th- I remember I saw it was like the first Hobbit movie. And so you see a bunch of people and they're wearing, you know, big costumes and a lot of makeup and stuff. And it doesn't look right. You're losing some of the, the sort of allure of cinema using 24 frames. Um, it's just a feeling when you watch it, it's sort of a, some things don't translate to super crisp, high-resolution reality. because Well, we have this reality to present before we go on. With Daniel Arundilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. By the way, we do welcome your comments and your questions. You can send us a tweet. Address it to Tech Night Owl. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
again thanks our listeners for all your support this year. We wish you all the best in 2014. Happy New Year from GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866 91 Steel. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866 91 Steel. That's 866 917 8335. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called NUCA. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle and actually absorb, providing nutrients targeting the problem area. Between NUCA and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. 
952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. With Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, Apple Insider, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are exploring lots of stuff. Okay? We're exploring lots of stuff here for 2013, 2014, looking briefly over at the prospects for Ultra HD or 4K. Does this at all indicate Apple's emphasis on 4K that there will be an Apple-connected TV that does that? Well, it's not really clear. I mean, maybe they could come out with something that's more like a generic, uh, you know, offers a variety of things. I mean, you look at Apple TV and what it's doing, and they're lining up content. Right now, it's things you can watch. And they haven't made a play into interactivity with anything like games. So, I mean, when Tim Cook says he's pulling the string to see where it goes, I think I think there is a little bit of waiting. I think they're, they're laying groundwork. And with, you know, that Apple's efforts related to 4K are associated with, like you're saying, Mac Pro and MacBook Pros, high-end machines. They're being used to create content. How we get that content is going to be different. And you have to have the content before people are going to be interested in it. And right now, you can, you can use 4K editing for cinema, because you go to the cinema and you're watching it in 4K already on a big screen. And of course, anything that's created in 4K can be like downscaled and distributed. So it's they're kind of on the the production end, the creating content, which is kind of where Apple's always been. You know, back in the early 90s, you know, when they developed QuickTime, they were on the forefront of putting video on the web. And it didn't matter that a lot of the a lot of the machines were DOS PCs that people were actually using. They were getting that from content that was made on Macs. And before that it was desktop publishing. There's a lot of ways to to get or you know to to see that content that was created on Macs and you know multimedia and things like that. Apple was always kind of on the edge of creating for everyone else, and you're seeing that with with apps and stuff too. I mean the you know Facebook and they're not terribly successful, but their concept for creating a a new page for Android phones, the Facebook Home thing, that was created using Mac tools, you know Apple's development tools. So it's kind of interesting to see where it's going to go. But right now, Apple is really trying to position itself as being like a leading provider of modern video tools. So I think that's what we're seeing right now. It, I don't actually know where, where, where and how fast 4K is going to be established as a consumer tool, whether we're going to have 4K TVs that are affordable within a couple of years. We're interesting to see. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at all the reviews of the Mac Pro, and invariably they confirm what Apple says. You know, you could run those three 4K streams, and with Final Cut Pro 10 version 10.1, the one that just came out, you could add all sorts of filters, and it's practically seamless. Except this woman, we'll talk about her, I don't know if we should or not, this woman wrote a story for the New York Times reviewing the Mac Pro. And she's someone who used to work at CNET, and she used to be my editor at CNET. And she describes a story of bringing somebody to the house where they tried to run all those multiple streams and it kept 
clogging. And I thought to myself, did she use the latest version of Final Cut Pro 10? What's going on here? How come she has a problem that nobody else has? I don't know. I didn't see that. <laughs> it's Molly Wood, by the way. I don't okay. know if you ever heard of her. And she yeah. used to always do that. She always find weird problems with something. And she'd be the only one who could do it. But I think Apple must be freaking out. Let's look at some other stuff. So there's a story, and you ran it over at Apple Insider, and I want to cover this. And this is fascinating. So supposedly Android is more popular than iOS. Maybe not so much in the U.S., but you get the picture. Yet according to a story that you ran over at Apple Insider, iOS crushed Android in Christmas shopping with five times the sales. How's that happen? Well, I mean, it's kind of related to everything else. Um, right now, I think I think iOS devices or iPhones account for forty percent of smartphones, something like that, in the United States. And depending on how you count tablets and shipments and whatever, I don't, I don't know what the exact um, proportion there is, but it's not the market is not. A whole bunch of people deciding what to buy. Everyone has completely different uh, reasons for buying what they buy, and it's pretty clear that people who buy a phone to use it like a as a real smartphone, as a, as a mobile computer, are overwhelmingly buying iOS devices. And even the people who are buying just a basic phone, a lot of those who are buying iOS devices are, are using them in you know, to buy apps and to get content and things like that, where the majority of, I mean, it is a majority of the market that's buying other devices that are primarily running a version of Android. But those people are using it in general like a phone. So basically they're feature phones. And kind of the same thing with Windows Mobile. I mean, people are buying a variety of things. It's an open market. It's not a monopoly. Apple doesn't have any, like, special control. They're not restricting people from buying um, other things, but the devices that people are using are iPhones to browse and shop. In this particular story, is IBM uh, analyzing online traffic, and they release reports all the time. And we've been covering it since uh, Black Thursday or Black Friday after after Thanksgiving, and that show the numbers have been very similar. They shift slightly, but. Um, I think at Black Friday there were bigger purchases because people are running out and buying things that they're planning to buy. And it's kind of the proportion was similar. I mean, 80% of uh, sales are being done by iOS users. And on Christmas Day shopping, that's the report that came out with on just after Christmas, uh, it's kind of a similar proportion except the numbers are actually higher. And I would assume that the, a lot of the online shopping Christmas Day are people... Um, spending gift cards or, or other digital online sales like that. And the, the difference in average sales made on iOS devices compared to Android devices was even more dramatic. It was almost double. Something like $90 device instead of $40. Uh, so it's not, really, it's not really surprising that iOS users are buying more and shopping more because People who are buying an iPhone or especially buying the latest models and iPads are more likely to be buying things in general. There's been a, a there's been a huge effort to sort of denigrate Apple 
in every way. And, and the most popular thing has been saying, well, look at what's selling all over the world in third world countries and everywhere that there's a device being sold, 80% of these are Android. And there's a lot of those markets Apple doesn't even participate in. And the majority of those markets are not making money. And you can tell that by looking at the Android, uh, the, the licensees of Android. Google's own Android licensee is making um, billion dollar losses on an annual basis. And everyone, I mean, nobody else is really making money except for Samsung. So when you start to look at it from that perspective, um, and even Samsung is, they're selling considerably more phones than Apple, but they're making less money. Certainly less money per phone. I mean, they're making almost nothing for majority of the phones they're making. And the other, the other flip side of that, I mean, the, the other kind of downside to just dumping a lot of sub-quality products in the market to, to claim market share is that, you know, I look at, this is anecdotal, but you know, I look at my friends who have Android phones for some reason, and a lot of them have gotten just whatever was cheap, or their, you know, their parents bought them a phone or something like that as a gift. And they have a phone that they don't like, and it's sort of a negative experience. And they got something that was cheaper, so it's not as good of a product. I mean, if Apple was selling a $200 phone, it wouldn't be as satisfying of a product either, obviously. So well, I saw, for example, Straight Talk Wireless, which is, I think, one of Walmart's Walmart, services. Yeah. And they offer, like, for $45 a month, you get unlimited cell phone service and a fairly high amount of messaging is unlimited and you get a fairly high amount of data, like two and a half gigabytes. And they have various phones that you can buy. And they have a free smartphone. I think it was a Samsung smartphone from a couple of years ago. It's like a 3G phone or something like that. So, of course, you want performance. It's not it. But maybe for something for messaging and email and just to be a phone. Free is free. But that might be, you know, very much what you have here. You're not going to use that product. And there may be millions out there. You're not going to use that product to do e-commerce because the web browser on that smartphone is pathetic. That's why they're giving it away. We're not going to give away this guy because he's worth a lot. His name is Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Bringing you the best in alternative talk radio for over 10 years. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237.
So it's off to grandma's house for the holidays, eh? <laughs> That's great. But while you're going over the river and through the woods, professional burglars are choosing easy targets to break into. Don't be an easy target. Plug in fake TV. Fool criminals into believing someone's home at your house watching TV. Fake TV works a bit like a light on a timer, but fake TV is far more convincing. Fake TV plugs into any outlet and simulates the light and colors of a real TV. Burglars will likely move on to easier targets and leave your house alone. Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and makes a great Christmas gift. Or it's perfect if you're traveling over the holidays or anytime. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And now let us look more at some of the more interesting things that are going on in this nutty, nutty world of technology. And, of course, what we're trying to do here is to make sense of what is going on and what all these other companies are doing. Now, there was an article the other day, and this is so common that we're seeing this. Has Apple lost its ability to innovate? And this was actually a video from a service that's owned by Someone who is going to be soon a former mayor of New York. Why do they come up with stuff like that? Well, it's, you know, it's clickbait. There's an awful lot of articles out there that really have nothing even to do with Apple. And they put Apple in the headline to see people read it. And that kind of gives you something. When people like negatively talk about something just to, because they know you're interested in reading it, kind of gives an indication, you know, maybe that what they're saying is not that valuable. But yeah, I mean, there's just so much news that's just sort of invented that people just create content. It's just farms of content that just, it, most of it is just garbage. I mean, it's not in any way sort of informing or even entertaining. It's just junk that people have scraped together to just to get clicks. And I don't know, I think it's kind of interesting that the web is just becoming overrun with garbage. And it's because of Google. It's because Google has created the only way to monetize the web is to have ads and they don't pay anything. So the only way to make that model work is just to have lots of traffic. The only way to generate that much traffic is just to, you know, stamp Apple on top of garbage. So that people will look at it and be like, oh, okay, move it on. But I clicked all these ads, put all these cookies on my computer so that Google can charge these advertisers for having someone having seen their ad on this page of garbage i don't think that's sustainable and i don't understand why people think google is so amazing for having you know just spread spam all over the web because if you look at all this garbage and you you do any kind of google search and google's great at search but you can do a search you can find a lot of things that you're looking for but there's a lot of things that you search for and it's just garbage it's just pages of garbage and you go to those pages of garbage and there's nexus 7 ads all over it because google is sponsoring that garbage Google is fronting the money for that garbage to exist. 
Google is turning its own monopoly over the web. It has, you know, it has a lot of control over what goes on on the web. They're turning the web into garbage. And that's completely opposite of what Apple's doing. Apple doesn't sell the web. Apple sells hardware. But Apple's been very careful not to just, you know, shove garbage on its hardware. It's always been known for, you know, not putting in third-party junkware and subscriptions and all this kind of junk that every other computer maker puts on. And that in itself is value. That lack of garbage is value. And that's why people have, for the last decade, been attracted to Macs, even though they're more expensive than getting a, you know, super cheap Dell PC that's just loaded with junkware that you have to deal with. And I don't think people are going to continue to want more and more garbage and more and more ads. And people are looking at things like Facebook and YouTube and all these things that have for a long time been completely ad free. And so you give some people, some people a free product and say, Hey, here's a video site that you can just look at all these different, you know, consumer created videos, or here's, here's all your friends on Facebook and they're posting pictures and they're talking about whatever. That's great. But when you start putting ads on it, it dramatically lowers the value. When I'm going through my Facebook feed now, there's just constant, like, and they're, they're not good ads. If it was classy ads, it'd be like, okay, you know, here's a, you know, ad for some high quality product or something that I may be interested in. It's, it's ads for like really shoddy stuff, like, you know, weight loss and, you know, take a pill and you suddenly have ripped abs kind of thing. It's just garbage. It's insulting. And you look and you're like, who's putting this junk on my, my wall? And it's no, it's sponsored posts that Facebook is interjecting. There's a very limited, you know, there's a diminishing returns for how much junk you can shove into my wall before I'm like, delete my account. I'm not going to use Facebook anymore. And there's already, there's a turning tide. Kids are not using Facebook anymore. They're not? How do you see this? That's what the stats are showing. Well, be specific so people understand what you're getting to. The growth is stopping. And when you're looking at what kids are doing, they're not, they're not attracted to Facebook anymore. Just like there was a generation of kids that came after me that weren't attracted to email anymore. They did messaging. It's just a stylistic thing that, that people, um, you know, once you, once you shove too much junk into something, people go somewhere else. You know, it's like the, you know, the hot club, you go to a club and it's like a great place to be. If you shove too much junk in there, people don't want to go anymore. Or, you know, the people that are important don't want to go anymore. And then eventually nobody else wants to go either. Okay, so the kids are no longer doing Facebook quite as much. Do they do Twitter instead? Yes. What services the, do they the use? The growth of Facebook is going down. Twitter is uh, retaining more youth users, but it's also a very different service. And I'm not sure how Twitter is. Twitter has some kind of more interesting ways to advertise because Twitter can sell the content that you generate. There's value in that. The stuff people are putting on Facebook is not really valuable. If I go on vacation and put my pictures on Facebook, there's not really any way for anyone to monetize that apart from putting their ads on it. And, you know, the more controversial thing is to say, hey, Dan likes Pepsi, you know, drink Pepsi. You know, my friends are going to be, oh, yeah, I like Dan, I'm going to drink Pepsi. That's stupid. That's not a viable business model. But if I go on Twitter and I'm posting stuff about I'm in, you know, this place and this event's going on and people are listening to it and following it or whatever, Twitter is not only getting what I'm saying, they're also getting metadata of the location and a lot of other information about it. And they can see trends over time. And that's very valuable information. Because if you have just millions of people that are talking about different things, it's really, really useful information. We've never had that before. It's 
you know, companies desperately want you to fill out comment cards or, you know, provide some kind of feedback so they know what, if their efforts are good or not. Well, with Twitter, you can analyze Twitter data. And if you look at Apple bought this company, that that's what they do. There's an incredible amount of information in that's being tweeted out. And if you can look at that and analyze it, you can understand what people like and, you know, what people are trending towards, what people are talking about, what people are interested in. And that's extremely valuable information. The stuff that's on Facebook, not that very, not that valuable. It's also architected differently. I don't know exactly what Facebook's planning to do, you know, the next five years or 10 years or whatever, but just having a a page that they're trying to shove more and more ads in, that's not going to work. And I don't think there's that much analytics that Facebook can do that's going to be that valuable, but maybe I'm missing something. But I mean, there is a difference between Facebook and and, uh, Twitter. And that's just an example of what it is. If you look at what Apple's doing, I mean, Apple is integrating with both, uh, but they're not, they're not trying to build their own. And if you look at what Google did, first they tried to copy Twitter with Buzz, that completely failed. Then they tried to copy Facebook with Google+, and that also did not work out well. It's not really clear what Google's strategy is, they just seem to copy everything. It's kind of like Microsoft, you know, it's just like, oh, somebody else is doing something, we need to copy it. But usually, if somebody else is already good at something, it's difficult to copy them to the point where you can catch up. Even doing that with to iOS, I mean, that's what Android is. is or, hey, hey, Google's or Apple's doing this, let's copy it. It's hard to catch up. Android has always been functionally behind Apple. Uh, Android has always been functionally behind iOS in a lot of very important ways. And there's always been sort of this notion that Apple has to catch up and catch up. And there's been a few areas where Apple has had to catch up with, you know, Android phones were debuting with 4G before almost two years before Apple put it on the five. Um, But on like a technical level, there are a lot of things iOS does that Android still doesn't do. And it's actually quite new to be able to, you know, basically do the equivalent of AirPlay. And there's development tools and sort of development functions that aren't on Android. And we'll get into more of the differences between iOS and Android. With Daniel Aaron Dilger, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. 
Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10% but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider joins us. We've got a lot of excitement to go here as we continue. And we're looking at the platform comparisons with Google and iOS. Now, Google came out with this new operating system, 4.4 KitKat. You know, like, whatever. You hardly hear about it. It doesn't seem like to have been very much. Well, I mean, it's it's... 
it's not a dramatic, huge new thing. It, it's it's kind of like a, a revamp of 4.x. And a lot of the attention is kind of going towards, can we push back some of this so we can push it out to a broader audience? So can we, can we lower the memory footprint so that it can work on older phones, so we can install it on older phones? So unlike Apple, which has been every version of iOS has kind of introduced new development features and new functionality that are quite aggressive and yet are still able to work on phones that are two or three years old in some cases. Android has been kind of trying to just keep up and remain remain relevant, but there's not the sense of pushing it back onto older phones. So the latest version of Android, you know, for a year will only be on a, a very small percentage. I mean, we're talking about less than 10% of the newest phones. So if, you know, if you, they like to compare iOS devices with everything that runs some version of Android. But the reality is the Android devices that are, you know, could be compared to an iPhone, the higher end models are a much smaller percentage of Android overall than iOS is. So the, the cream of Android is very, this very thin layer. And that's what's running the latest OS right now. It's a very small, small layer of the newest, most expensive phones. It hasn't been broadly pushed out to everything, which is kind of interesting because Android is supposed to be this open platform that users can do anything and just download the software themselves. And, you know, Andy Rubin even pushed out this sort of smirky tweet about how Android was open and that you could download and build it yourself. But, you know, people aren't going to do that. Well, first of all, they're misreading the customer. Customers aren't interested in something you download and build yourself. They want to buy a phone. They want to buy a tablet, and they want it to work. Yes. You know, customers weren't interested in do-it-yourself computers. They weren't interested in Linux on the desktop. They bought Windows because it was done and ready and was ready to, ready to work when you bought it home. People kept predicting that Linux was going to make inroads. And Google's thing was, you know, basically, we're going to bring Linux to the, to the phone. And we're going to displace all these proprietary systems. We're going to have this open system that anybody can do anything with. Well, the only reason that that's worked at all is because... Android basically pushed Symbian and other versions of Java on Linux, just displaced them, took their place, because there was less, there's no licensing fees, quite permissive use of what Google had created, but there wasn't a lot of value there. And the value that Apple has been adding to, to Android, the, the higher-end phones, like the Nexus models and other things that are on the high-end, have proprietary elements, and most of the value there is Google's apps, which are proprietary and closed, and they're not available for everybody. So the real open version of Android is quite bare, and it is certainly not comparable to iOS functionally, or even desirable from a user perspective, like the music player and you know all the apps that the um, even the basic browser weren't very good. Like if you want any any of what Google's working hardest on, you have to get a higher end phone. And the numbers show that people aren't buying those phones. The Nexus models, none of them have sold tremendously well. Motorola's phones are not selling well. The only, again, the only Android phone maker that's doing really well is Samsung. And Samsung is not really pushing it as an Android phone. The Galaxy S4 is, they talk about as having all their proprietary stuff on it. S this and S that features. And this spring, I mean, in a few months, this spring, um, Samsung is preparing to launch Tizen. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out, if that's successful or not, or what they plan to do. 
Tell us more about Tizen. Well, it's, it's, remember Nokia was working for a while on Mego for quite a long time. That was supposed to be their next generation thing that would power tablets and eventually smartphones. And when they made the deal with Microsoft, that kind of got backburnered and sort of canceled. And Intel, who they started working with, picked up and eventually brought it over, started working with Samsung. So, I mean, basically it's Linux. And there's a, there's a series of companies that have been working on various builds of Linux that have kind of tried to create a common standard. So Samsung is really pushing it. And then they, they do have a couple of other companies that are, you know, signed up to back it, which doesn't mean a whole lot because a lot of, a lot of these Linux groups, I mean, there's Limo and various efforts to put Linux on mobile devices. And for a while, Motorola was selling all kinds of Linux devices in China. That's primarily what they were selling. But just volume has not created a platform. And Linux, as a, a phone system, it's about as useful to talk about Linux or even Android. It is to say that, you know, most browsers are using WebKit. Well, what is that? How does that matter? Is it a platform? Is it something that Apple has control over? Not really. It's code they've shared. Same thing with Android. There's a lot of people using Android, but it doesn't have the same platform strength. And certainly new development and exciting development and the things that are really interesting that are going on are not happening anywhere but iOS. So, I mean, really what we're seeing is a replication of Windows, but with Apple playing the role of Windows. So there you go. All right. Let's look at one other issue of 2013 that was front and center. That is the bleeding of BlackBerry. Of course, BlackBerry was at one time the king of the hill. It was at one time the gold standard. So what happens to BlackBerry? What happens going forward? Sure. That's, that's probably a good question. Um, the, the problem with BlackBerry is that they didn't really see... It's kind of similar to Nokia. BlackBerry and Nokia were both making devices that had large and um, enthusiastic following. And they were making, you know, like good hardware. It wasn't junky phones, um, but they were very basic. Their concepts of what smartphones were, were phones with some extra features. And when Apple came out with the iPhone, it was a Macintosh. It was a mobile Macintosh with a new user interface, but it was a full powered computer and it had a modern architecture. It was an operating system running native C applications with a sophisticated layer of development tools, development frameworks. And when BlackBerry, when they, when they saw the iPhone, they didn't really believe it existed. It was like, this is kind of a fake. You know, they're, they're doing something odd here. And up until that point, everything that Nokia and BlackBerry had been doing was all based around really low-power hardware because they knew, you know, if you put in higher-power hardware, it just wouldn't last on a battery charge. So Apple got quite a ways ahead of the industry. I mean, they were really five years ahead. And by the time that BlackBerry kind of figured this out and they were trying to make things that were like the iPhone, it's a lot of work to catch up. And they made a series of acquisitions and they bought various components and they bought real-time operating system, QNX, and they put a lot of components together, but it wasn't quite finished. It was in some ways similar to the situation with, with what Palm did. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. First case attack of the rockoids and it was a critically acclaimed success and now there's the coming of the protectors a former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the earth this is gripping science fiction of the classic kind attack of the rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Whey and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Whey, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Whey, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100 degree heat, and then I'd take another two servings of One World Whey, and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One World Way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. 
For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworld, W-H-E-Y.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We explore the platform wars, looking at BlackBerry and the failure of BlackBerry, trying to acquire another operating system, trying to make things right. But what's the end game for BlackBerry? Do they try to sell off their services? Well, I mean, already they're trying to sell their messaging service because a lot of the revenue came from BlackBerry Enterprise Server. So a company would implement BlackBerry Enterprise Server and all the messaging would go through BlackBerry and two BlackBerry devices. And they created a very secure link. It wasn't, they weren't like sitting on the open internet. It was like a very controlled messaging situation. And a lot of companies paid for that uh, level of security. But when com- when users stopped wanting to use BlackBerry devices, it turned into a shift that really hurt BlackBerry's enterprise server business because who's going to do that if all their... There was a period of time where a lot of people carried Blackberries and iPhones because they wanted to use an iPhone. That's what they used for all their other stuff. And then they used a BlackBerry kind of like an advanced pager. But it gets to the point where that's really not sustainable. And a lot of people and a lot of companies uh, were moving towards solutions that provided similar types of, of secure messaging and, and access to company data. And one of the, one example of that is good. Good Technologies was formerly part of Motorola. If you look at Good comes out with quarterly reports and they're saying that, you know, something like 80% of what people are using in businesses today on their system is iOS. And a big part of that is because of it's, it's quite easy for companies to create custom apps for iOS devices, particularly iPads. So they can create mobile, you know, internal mobile apps that work across iPhones and iPads. And it's easy and it's cost effective and it's something that users want to use. And so what does BlackBerry do? They have messaging service that they're trying to sell to iOS and uh, Android users. I, I think the initial rollout was kind of plagued with a lot of problems but their core their core business has eroded considerably so i don't know if that's if that's all the if that's enough and they're in the midst of changing horses and trying to do new things so i'm not sure exactly what they're targeting in the future but yeah things don't look really great for blackberry they they just released really bad metrics for the last quarter and going forward they had a couple projects a couple hardware device projects that they canceled so it's not really clear what they're doing but there isn't a huge amount of opportunity like when apple came out with the iphone there was this there i think there was a a concept that if apple could do it anybody could do it and you know microsoft came out with windows phone and there's a series of platforms you know palm os or palms web os came out and there was a lot of I think there was a general sense that if Apple could get into the market and become quite successful, then everybody could. And there was a huge amount of money available. 
for everybody who wanted to enter. And Microsoft fell on their face. Palm crashed and burned. Android is, Android is broadly installed, but it's not successful commercially, not, certainly not for licensees, certainly not for developers. I don't know who's making money on Android, because even Google's not making very much. They're making some money on advertising, but they're making more money on iOS. And it's becoming clear that, you know, we're reaching a saturation point where you can't just invent, you know, invent a device and sell it and make huge amounts of money. No one's doing that. In fact, it's pretty incredible that Apple is still selling the quantities of new phones that they're selling. So going forward, what's going to happen? Are we going to have to have a new device that's going to sell? Or is, is the phone itself going to evolve into a different directions? Kind of remains to be seen. But the only company that has really taken you know, and made another huge new leap is the iPad. Have you have a, a very mobile uh, phone device, and the, the iPad is kind of in this middle area between super mobile phone and a desktop computer, or even a notebook that's quite a bit heavier. So Apple seems to be doing a good job of figuring out what people need and want and what can sell, and they're not throwing out a whole bunch of experiments. We're not seeing a whole whole bunch of kind of failed hardware devices that throwing them out to see if what'll work. Which other companies are doing, you know, especially with, you know, Samsung and the Galaxy Gear. All right, let's talk about that because we have a segment and a half left for the show. Samsung Galaxy Gear went nowhere. Is the Pebble, which costs like half as much as the Galaxy Gear, the current smartwatch that has any success at all? Well, I think there are some products that appeal to certain people, and you have things like the Pebble Watch, and I don't think that's a, a super... I don't think everyone's clamoring for a watch that shows them a, a view of what's on their phone. I think it's possible to create a device, if it was good enough, that a larger percentage of the population might be interested in, if it was functional enough to, to be worth using. I don't see a lot of people wearing watches anymore. So it would have to be something that's quite dramatically useful to encourage people to buy it and, and to pay enough to where it would be something that would be profitable to, to create and sell and maintain. The Galaxy Gear is clearly not that. It's this big, heavy, goofy, it looks like a piece of Tupperware that you have strapped to your watch and it, it looks stupid on everybody. And what does it do? It sort of gives you a um, a view of your text messages that are coming in. Um, I mean, the only thing that makes somewhat sense is that Samsung is trying to sell these phones that are so big that you can't, it doesn't really make sense to hold them in your hand anymore. You now need sort of a mouthpiece for it so you can put it in your purse and carry it around and then talk into your wrist. But I don't know. I mean, there's a, the market for those kind of big purse phones is also sort of, over over imagined <laughs> i don't think that's they're quite as popular as as you know in gadget blogs would let you lead you to believe the market the all the data i've seen on them is somewhere around 10 percent of um users opting for these big huge phones so what is the purpose of a watch 
just because people are talking about it as a product segment doesn't mean that it's necessarily a viable product segment. And the fact that Apple hasn't released it yet is kind of indication that if you look at before the iPad came out, for example, um, Samsung was similarly selling these big, fat, huge, basically a laptop without a keyboard, or like this big, fat tablet thing that, again, nobody would find useful and valuable. Um, and when the iPad came out, it was a completely different thing. It was thinner and much more mobile and could last for a longer period of time and was simpler to use and had some advantage over the PC instead of being sort of a bad PC. It was like better than a PC for some uses. So it created a market. So to do the same thing with a watch would require a similar thing. You can't, you can't just like dump something out. You have to have something that's really attractive and very valuable, useful to people. Which the Galaxy Gear clearly is not. It doesn't suggest that it is when you look at it. I look at the Galaxy Gear and I think they wanted to make a smartwatch. Forget about what it has, what it looks like. Let's make a smartwatch. Let's see if it goes anywhere. And let's make it super expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the, the Google Glass. It's, it's like, let's take a smartphone and reconfigure, you know, let's take an old smartphone with old specs that are kind of obsolete and create a new form factor and see if people will buy it. But there's not a clear value in the fact that, that attaching something to your face or to your wrist it has to be pretty valuable to, to get people to do that. So we got to do this before we break. We've got to tell you that we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 
by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider with us, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we're exploring wearables, smartwatches. One of the biggest things I see wrong, and I've said this before, is that the existing smartwatches, their big problem is that they cannot exist by themselves. They're accessories for a smartphone or a phablet or something. Yeah, I mean, currently that's, that's what they've been. Because you can't really, um, it would be hard to duplicate all the value of a, like an iPhone on your wrist. You'd either have to have a very small screen or it would be a very big device. So you're making some trade-offs somewhere. Either you're choosing to scale down to a very simple, small phone, or you know, you're wearing a big old phone on your wrist. But doesn't it also put a limitation on it because you're tethered to another device? You forget to take the other device, you have something that provides only limited functionality. Yeah, I mean, there's some benefits to, um, to having a tethered device like that. Uh, you know, if you have something small and compact that was nice on your wrist, then, it, you know, I, I can see some benefit to some people 
being able to use it keeping your phone in your pocket or being able to see messages at a glance as they come in without having to deal with a device. But yeah, no one's no one's proven that that's a category that works yet. So it's kind of a wait and see thing. It's kind of similar to to, you know, with Apple TV, you know, when they came out with this device and it was kind of like this is something that we're trying and we're seeing where it goes and there's value there. It isn't maybe as broadly popular. But it's also like a, a very cheap device. It's $99. And it's the kind of thing that it's not something you wear in your face. You, you put it next to your TV and you don't think about it anymore. And then you pull out your phone and you're looking at a picture and you just push a button and it's on your TV. So there's value there. People see that. Try, you know, if you translate that to a watch, how, how useful would that watch have to be to get people to wear it? And there's a there's kind of a combination of things that I think could make a watch valuable. And one is, you know, kind of messaging thing we're talking about. Another is a lot of people like activity bands, like the Nike Feel Band, things like that. That if you if you're wearing a device that did a number of things, if you did messaging, if it, you know, could find your location and and um do a series of things that um made it more valuable than the annoyance of having to wear a watch or having to charge it, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I could see that there's possibly some value, but it will take a lot of work to create a device. that's that good. You can't just like pop out a device and have a lot of people want to buy it because a lot of people are not buying the watches that already exist. All right. Do you think Apple's going to do it? I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. They are working on working on software that supports those, kind of devices we know that well i guess we're gonna have to see it works out you're being the kind of person who hedges his bets (laughs) well i don't like to be wrong that's okay (laughs) i I save my i save my certainty for things that i'm certain of all right certainties what's going to happen with microsoft and the surface tablets and all that stuff well kind of remains to be seen microsoft is is working really hard to generate this concept that the world has suddenly got onto surface, but they haven't sh- shared any sales data. And that's, that's important. You know, Apple has always kind of shared its sales data. You know how many phones they're selling from the beginning. You know how many iPads they're selling and the iPod before that. So when Microsoft doesn't say anything about the surface, except for, you know, they tried to like make some comments about, you know, Hey, things are, things are selling well. Well, they said that about the surface one, and we knew that that was a huge dog and they lost lots of money on it. And then nobody, nobody bought it. There's a, a lot of commercials on TV. I'm seeing for, for Toshiba and other companies selling these hybrid devices that it's a laptop and you pull it in half and half of it's sort of this gangly tablet. They've been selling those since 1990 and nobody's wanted them. You like think tab- that after all these Good. many years, they would wake up and say, Gee, nobody wants this. Why are we building it? Yeah, I mean, they keep, I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand that. But, you know, you watch those ads and you think, well, somebody must be buying it if they're advertising it. But I don't think there's any sales data that indicates that people want to buy that or that people want to carry on a computer and touch the screen as they're walking around with it or to pull the screen off and have a hinge that's really flimsy because it has to be flimsy because it has to pop on and off easy. I think that's a, just a bad uh, engineering choice and it's certainly not popular because people are not buying that stuff up and windows 8.1 is not selling lots of pcs and i don't think the service is selling well at all 
there's a huge amount of advertising going into it, but there's a huge amount of advertising that went into the last surface too, and the Zune, and you know, all, all sorts of hardware products that Microsoft has come up with. I think Microsoft would be better to focus on apps and services that they can sell. I think one of the problems is that they're working so hard to chase after Apple and the money that Apple's making, and they're not an Apple. They've never sold hardware before. They don't really have any special knowledge of selling hardware or procuring. They're not a hardware business. Well, all right. There is the Xbox, but we're not talking about that singular product. They are a software licensee. And I think Office is coming under pretty significant pressure um, on a couple fronts. But one of them is the fact that Apple is now selling Macs with software for free. And, of course, iOS devices, where that's like the biggest volume. And there's a lot of people with Windows that have an iPhone. If Microsoft is not going to sell those people a good version of Office for their iPhone or in their iPad, that's going to have an impact on its future going forward. Because those people now have iWork for free. What are they going to use? What are kids going to learn how to use? And bear in mind also, as far as iWork is concerned, yes, it doesn't have as many features as the older version did, but Apple's going to add back most of them. and They'll be adding more and more features as time goes on. And at some point, people are going to look at Office, I would think, and say, do we need all this other extra stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some cases where Office is really useful in businesses, but I think there's going to be increased pressure in, um, from mobile devices and people are going to want to be able to use the the spreadsheets and um, documents that they're creating on mobile devices because that's what everyone's using. And if there's no Excel there, then they're not going to be using Excel or they're going to be porting their Excel to iWork for people to have access to, which Apple's already done a pretty good job of. And I think it's going to be a lot easier for Apple to make iWork more useful and powerful than it is for Microsoft to take its desktop software and make it useful and uh, desirable on mobile devices. And Apple can do it for free. I mean, Apple can distribute it for free because they're making money on the hardware. Microsoft has to either convince people to pay for it or give it away and lose money because they're not selling hardware. All right. So Microsoft bought Nokia's handset division. How does that make sense? Um, I don't really see that it does. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it or what they try to do with it. But I mean, there's, it, it's so, there's so much interruption that ha- occurs whenever you have a merger or a, you know, acquisition like that. And to take two companies that one is failing in software and one is failing in hardware. I mean, Nokia has always made good hardware, but they're failing to sell it at this point. They're failing to sell their high-end stuff. They can sell, you know, cheap phones. Everybody can sell cheap phones. But Nokia is doing, went from being the premier seller of smartphones to being almost nothing. And I'll tell you what, we're going to have nothing left if we don't end this interview right now. Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for Roughly Drafted and for AppleInsider.com. There you go. And you can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. 
It's known as the Paracast, and we're doing a year-ender there, too. We'll be featuring Don Ecker, who is the host of the Daily Dark Matters radio show, and he's a curmudgeon. He really is. On the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.